Hello, humans. Welcome to Not Yugi Irmo, what we do in the Shadows podcast, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Patrick Monahan, And I'm Nicole Conlon. This week, we're going to recap episode three of season three of What We Do in the Shadows. Let's dive in, shall we? So this week was episode three. It was called Gale. And the synopsis we all knew before it started was an old flame returns and an ancient vehicle is resurrected. So Nandor's been missing lately. And he keeps kind of sneaking off. He's in a weird mood. Turns out, after a little bit of investigation following him, he's been hooking up with his old flame, Gale. And Gale is a human who he's been seeing on and off over several decades, I think around 40 years. And we get a kind of story of their relationship through photos. She's now the age that somebody would be if you've been seeing them for 40 years. Obviously, Nandor has not changed, so uh, she's a little bit of a... Older lady, and she is played by Aida Torturo, who is famously known as Janice Soprano, who uh, I uh, will always remember as the lady in the radio tower who gets blown up in Deep Blue Sea, uh, the <laughs> movie. Sure, the role that she's famous for. Yeah, the movie about the smart sharks where uh, the helicopter crashes before everything starts to go down and she gets just totally blown out of the tower. I like to think that this is all a cinematic universe and somehow she was blown out of the tower and into Nandor's life. Yeah, so everyone keeps intimating that Nadi doesn't like Gale and pitting women against each other or women and female vampires against each other, classic thing. What it really is is, you know, she likes Gale, fine. She's just tired of Gale breaking Nandor's heart because the story of their their relationship, such as it is, is every so often he proposes, wants to turn her into a vampire and spend the rest of their lives together, and she hits the road, basically. Comes up with an excuse, you know, and uh, and won't commit. And Nadia is upset to see that Nandor is going to be doing this again, and he asks Nadia to kind of hang out with Gale while he goes and runs and kind of gets the proposal ready again, and Gale starts to hit the road again, is trying to run away, and gets out to the yard before clouds move, and we see that it's a full moon. Turns out Gale is actually a werewolf. She turns into a werewolf dun, dun, dun. before our very eyes. And it's cool. It's cool special effects. It's very cool special effects. The middle of the transformation is always very fun for me. That's yes. like my favorite part. The huge head on a, yeah. So she's a werewolf. She runs away. Big reveal. Shocking. They go to Nandor and talk to him. It turns out he uh, knew and kept hooking up with her anyway, including while she was a wolf. A werewoman, actually, is what she is, I believe, is the correct term. That was uh, what was said at one point. Which I don't think is right, but that's we'll talk correct. about that later. Yeah, that's not. The wolf part is the part that's not the person. Yes. So replacing <laughs> that with woman doesn't really. So <laughs> they set up a big showdown to go confront the werewolves. And we see that Gale is making out with one of the werewolves. He's the one that turned her into a werewolf. What was his name? Anthony? Antonio? Something like that? I believe it was Anthony, yes. No, wait, it was Anton. Yes, Anton. Much more uh, fantasy-sounding name. So Really? A very fantastical name. Instead of having a big fight, which they're gearing up to do, Guillermo steers them away from that and towards a kickball match, Twilight style. So we get some fun use of the vampire powers in kickball, including uh, Laszlo rounding the bases as a bat, being impossible to tag out, which is very fun. And then Nadia, who, again, does not dislike Gale, according to Nadia, kicks a foul ball and hits Gale right in the head and kills her. So Nandor is obviously distraught by this, resurrects her by making her into a vampire. So now she is like the guy in Underworld. She is a vampire and a werewolf. She's uniting the two 
races. But uh, in any event, she does not agree to stay. And she turns into this horrible werebat creature that can barely it's so fly. Cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And so funny. Buzzes around like a bumblebee. It's not very, <laughs> not very decisive. And uh, she flies back to Buffalo to go see her daughter, whose promotion did not go through. And with the weather we've been having lately... Meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Colin Robinson is back in the library to try to find out more about his background, and he's in there with Laszlo, and Laszlo looks across the library and he sees that one of the pornographic books is a fake, because he knows that that particular pornographic book has never been released in hardback. (laughs) So he pulls on the book, and it opens a huge passageway, like secret billionaire-type passageway, that goes to a room where they discover Laszlo's old car, which they refer to throughout the episode as the jalopy, which is very fun. And then now we have this very fun character dynamic with Colin Robinson and Laszlo, and they're two characters that we never really see together, especially alone, which is something that they acknowledge in their talking heads, which is very fun. And then they agree to work together to fix up this old car. And so they get it running again, and then they are trying to get it out of the underground bunker or wherever it is they are. And so they just drive it through the wall because they think that the building has been built around the car to prevent Laszlo from taking it. And then after they get it outside, Kristen Schaal as the guide shows up and she just tears them a new one for driving the car through the wall because there's a big garage door that they could have opened that's a big red button. And then she flies away to deal with the insurance companies. And then that is kind of the end of their story. And then they join up with the rest of the crew at the kickball game. And then after Gail has left... The final scene is our heroes all going for a joyride in Laszlo's old car, the jalopy, and Guillermo has to sit on the back next to the horrible coal engine. I will say, minor point of correction, they actually disassemble the car and reassemble the car, but they still manage— Oh, I forgot that! In doing that, they might as well have driven it through the wall because they managed to smash, like, every other curiosity in the hall that they have, including the Shroud of Urine— which is like the Shroud of Turin, but it's uh, even more rare. So I was mixing up two things where first uh, Laszlo puts the car into gear and crushes Colin Robinson twice. And then they disassemble the car and remove it and reassemble it piece by piece. And it's like when it's outside, they've like tied it together with string and stuff. It's not assembled the same way. It's even more jalopy. It's like yeah. a jalopy prime uh, at that point. So yes, um, but you know, Pretty good work to get it running, I have to say. You know, I don't think I would be capable of anything resembling that. So Not at uh, they're handier than I am. So another point for the vampires. <laughs> yes. So that is this week's episode. Uh, you don't even need to watch it now because we've done such a good job uh, but you should. describing it. You yeah. should, but you don't have to. We're <laughs> good storytellers and kind of charismatic people. So, like, you get the gist of it. So let's talk about our favorite parts about the episode. Yeah, you mentioned early on Colin Robinson getting hit by the car twice, in addition to getting lit on fire. And this is our ongoing, what will harm Colin Robinson? You know, because we're getting a you know, apparently Nadia is able to kill a werewolf with a kickball. So werewolves apparently are not. And I guess one in the first season when they had jumped off the Circuit City, I guess that was fatal as well. So I don't think it was because he was in this episode and they said, sorry for the thing on top of the Circuit City. Because remember, he was whining when he hit the ground. And I think that big guy okay. was at the kickball game. Okay, maybe it's because Gail was human and not a werewolf at the time she got hit by the kickball. Maybe That it's sounds that right kind to me. Thing. Yeah. So werewolves are not like the Hulk. They don't have the like Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk as a way of not getting injured. Apparently that doesn't happen with werewolves. So there we go. Understood. Well, in any event, Colin Robinson 
alarmingly unkillable. Sort of irritated by being uh, something that would have cut a regular person in half up against the wall, but he seems to be fine other than just, you know, nonplussed, I guess, by the whole thing. Now, one interesting Colin Robinson tidbit from this episode is we are getting a little closer to figuring out where energy vampires come from because he's in the library trying to do research and he can't figure it out. But then he's talking to Laszlo and he's referring to his mother and his father and he talks about them in the 1920s and his father's dead. And he said, my mother was a little annoying, still is. So she's still alive. So she must be an energy vampire. So energy vampires must be born. Yeah. And, you know, him being annoyed by someone else would indicate that they're draining him because he doesn't see, he seems to have a tolerance for things that most people hate. Yes. That might not be the right quote, though. So let's not read too much into it. I just remember him implying that his mother was still alive. Yeah. Well, you know, um, he's 100 years old or about to be, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like energy vampires are have been wiped from the histories or everyone's just too annoyed to write anything down about the whole deal. So. I'm glad that we're continuing to go down the rabbit hole a little bit because um, it would be easy to just kind of drop it after him showing him in the library the first time. But, you know, we're getting down to brass tacks. We got to find out what's going on. We want answers. Yeah. I want to know where he comes from and how to kill him. <laughs> That's my analysis, what I need from every TV character uh, or every character in fiction. <laughs> where do they come from? So, how to kill him? How do I kill him? <laughs> just in case, you got to know. I personally need this information. I don't know if you remember from last week, but we determined that I have met an energy vampire who's at this like office space that I rent sometimes. And I went back there this week and he talked to me for like half an hour about the OA and the creator of the OA and how he, it's bad that it didn't get a second season and he wanted another season of it. And then he made me watch time-lapse footage that he and somebody else shot on the roof of the sunset. And the time-lapse was like as long as the real sunset. It was bad. I have to know how to defeat this man who is in my life now. Well, yeah, that's, you know, hopefully he's not, like we said, he's not getting tipped off uh, by listening to this. You know, what if he's I don't know, man. I think he's too busy with his, like, drone projects that he also has and likes to talk to me about. (laughs) Drone projects with an S. That's what you want to hear. Yeah, well, see, he's making a movie where some of the drones are also characters, so it's a movie about drones, but it's also a commentary on drones, as he'll happily tell you. Wow, okay. Is this like CG? I can see myself draining you yeah. via his boring story. Yeah, the video is getting kind of grainier because I think there's just like <laughs> something's transferring through the webcam here. Yeah, that's that's upsetting. Okay, yeah. I'm around, that's that's now what's going in the back of my head the whole time for the rest of this recording, just so anyone, if in case anyone. Yeah, in case Patrick seems suddenly unwell. Okay, but wait, let's talk about real vampires because I want to talk about my favorite part of the show, which is when Nandor and Janice are together at the house. Yeah, you said, and I understand why, you said Janice uh, as Gail. Shoot. <laughs> because the actress will play Janice Soprano, obviously very memorably. I don't know what her name was in Deep Blue Sea, for the record. Um, but again, helicopter explosion. Uh, but in any event, you know, it's possible. Janice survives the events of the Sopranos. And maybe, you know, this is, she's been living, a, she was living a double life the whole time as Gail. Staten Island is not that far from New Jersey. Not so, at all. So, uh, you know, it's possible that this is the same character. She had a so, daughter in the show, right? She had a son and a daughter. Yeah, and then by and then Bobby's kids. She helped. She helped with Bobby's kids. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it could be. Look, you know, it's, we have no proof that Gail and Janice aren't the same person. But I am going to try to say Gail from now on. Prove that we're wrong, okay? Figure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show us where it doesn't make sense. Anyway, when Gail is at the house with Nandor for the first time, well, first of all, the crew like walks in on them. 
They like burst into their hotel room to find out where Nandor has gone and they're just doing it on the floor. Uh, Horrifying. Yes, horrifying. And Nandor makes no effort to stop them. But then later, Gail comes to the house. We get my favorite moment of the episode where Gail's like a big Bob Seger fan. So Night Moves is playing in the background and Nandor's dancing along to it. But he just goes... That's like his dance. So funny. Yes. This is before they're in the bedroom, right? He's not a uh, Porky Pig in it at this point, or is he currently? No, he's Porky He's Porky Pig in it at this point, but we, the audience, don't know it. We yes. see him from the front, and he's doing his little dance, and then cut to the reverse of Nadja, and I think Guillermo are there, and they go in the room, and then you see Nandor's full butt. Yeah, for the record, Porky Pig in it, or Donald Duck in it, depending on who you ask, is uh, Sherpa no pants. I guess Winnie the Pooh in it. Anyway, I want to say, going back to the hotel room, I don't know if it's like a... An award or a prison sentence is more appropriate for the Foley artist who did the sound effects. uh, (laughs) It was all just lettuce. It was just chopping up lettuce and cabbage over and over again. Extremely upsetting and like, you know, a little sped up because they have like the, you know, higher speed powers. Tough way to start the episode just from a uh, sensory perspective. (laughs) They've been much, uh, they've been much ruder this season than in previous seasons, I think. Yes. A little more potty humor, literally, with the first episode. First two uh, episodes. Yeah. I think they probably just are so successful that FX is like, yeah, you could do whatever you want now. (laughs) There's no rules anymore. They're swearing. It's crazy, you know. I love it. Now, the character that we haven't really talked about yet is Guillermo. And I have two things to say about Guillermo in this episode. The first one is this is the most that they have implied. It's been hinted at before, but this is the most obvious it's been that Guillermo feels romantic love for Nandor. There's obviously jealousy. There's a great cut to his reaction when uh, he makes Gale into a vampire, like, like you know, snap decision. And his face is just, you know, he's just devastated, but like annoyed at the same time. It's a very great piece of facial acting. It's jealousy that's different than just like, why am I not being treated the same way? Yeah, it's definitely, he's jealous of Nandor having a serious romantic interest. There's also a very funny moment where Nandor takes his mini fridge so that Nandor can put Janice's favorite kind of yogurt in it. Yeah, Mo, have you still got that mini fridge? Yes, you do. It's what do you need that What's for? What's all this shit? That medicine. I need to keep that refrigerated. It's fine. The doctor said there might be side effects if I don't. There'll be such a snowflake. Why do you need my fridge? What is going on? That's a lot of yogurt. You don't eat yogurt. It's fucking Of course I'm happy for my master. Why wouldn't I be? Harvey Guillen is like just such a funny, subtle actor that (laughs) Nandor dumps out his mini fridge and he picks up all the stuff. He's like, okay, well, I need to keep this medicine. My doctor says it has to stay refrigerated. It's very (laughs) funny. And then the other thing that I wanted to say that is a Guillermo moment is dead bodies have started to pile up around the house, presumably because Guillermo is a bodyguard now and isn't, you know, kind of a glorified butler. Guillermo has taken one of the dead bodies and put it in his sad little bedroom and is watching Twilight on his iPad with this dead body, and it is the baseball scene from Twilight. So that's where Guillermo gets the idea to propose the kickball game later, which is fun. That's just good plotting right there, you know? It's good plotting. It's good directing. Kudos to the What We Do in the Shadows team for that one. Why would you need the dead body? How does that feel? I think that dead body looked a little bit like Nandor, so I think it was maybe a Nandor surrogate. I think Guillermo's just very lonely. Yes, that comes through, to say the least. Guillermo's, he's going through it a little bit, I think. Gail is out of the picture, uh-huh. uh, sadly for Nandor, but uh, now Guillermo can kind of 
resume his place as the sort of, you know, more of a sidekick than he would yeah. sort of push to the side. His companion. Yeah. And as it turns out, Nadia was right this whole time that I don't dislike Gail. She just always does this to Nandor. And I have to tell you, I have been the Nadia in this situation a lot of times, and I was with her the entire time. I've had plenty of friends be like, oh, Nicole just doesn't like my girlfriend. It's like, no, she's mean to you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very well-meaning, especially for somebody who was, you know, presumably plotting to uh, kill him the last couple episodes when they were struggling over the uh, Vampire Council. We should also mention, speaking of, Nadia is also kind of annoyed that Nandor is distracted because they're working on the Vampire Council website. I do love the background, like, horrible bureaucracy of having to run what is essentially, like, a small business. But, like, that does nothing, apparently. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So they have, like, a... They've got like an Angel Fire 1998-style setup <laughs> of the webpage with like a really ugly background, repeating yeah. background. It's some and, real GeoCities stuff. Yeah, and they're picking fonts and, you know, Helvetica she likes. She does not like Franklin Gothic because Gothic is a little too on the nose. Nandor, we really need to make a decision on these fonts. I like Helvetica because it's the name of one of the prostitutes for the donkeys in my village. I know you're friendly. What do you think? About what? The fonts for the Vampiric Council website. I mean, we could do Franklin Gothic, but it's a bit on the nose. It looks like the the website, when they show the finished product, it had like a GoFundMe on it or fundraising drive or something going on. So they're raising money for something. I cannot imagine what for. Property taxes. We decided that last time. That's on the, here's the percentage of people that have paid their property taxes, I guess. So, yeah, okay. Well, you'd think if you were alive for a thousand years, you'd just put some money in a savings account. And over time, that would just be, you know. Uh, sure, compound interest. You'd think compound interest would do the job. But, uh, yeah. you know. It also says that it was raised by 69 people in 666 days, which is fun. See, I watched on a small screen, did not pause. So that these are the details that I miss. But uh, I'm glad that they're out there doing the nice number and the hell number for the folks at home, which I think is... <laughs> The sex number. Um, I really had a good time with this episode. I think that there was a great balance of the entire car angle, the jalopy angle, was just so silly, you know, kind of from top to bottom. And Colin Robinson, like, he maintains that. I mean, he keeps saying he doesn't care about X, Y, Z. You know, that, that every time we cut to him, it's, you know, I don't care. I don't care about this, but I just want them to know that, you know. And he's, in this episode, I believe, he said he wanted to make sure everyone knew he was down to clown. So we've decided to follow him. Me personally, I couldn't give a shit where he goes. But I don't want the others to think that I'm not down to clown at the drop of a hat. This was also a great Laszlo episode. I feel like the first two episodes, because they had to deal with the Vampiric Council stuff and Laszlo didn't want any part of it, they weren't as fun Laszlo episodes. And this really felt like he was like kind of, again, more down to clown, but not in those words. Yeah, just a couple guys uh, underneath uh, a car, like throwing pieces of metal around uh, into a like a bonus pile. I think is what they described it as. Which you know, most things in a car are essential to the operation of the car. <laughs> not a lot of extra screws or whatever. And then uh, yeah, he may or may not have been masturbating under the car. I believe at one point. So that's the uh, Laszlo's going to Laszlo. You know, that's just have part you seen of the, the episode of My Strange Addiction where the guy is like in love with his car and he is on the little like you know, wheelie thing that mechanics go on to like roll under the car and it cuts to a commercial break with him being like, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, she's beautiful and I love her. And then he rolls under the car and fade to black and it is heavily implied that he's boning his car under there. Okay. I have not seen that. I'm aware of that as a thing, probably just because uh, my brain is really poisoned from the computer uh, over the uh -huh. past over many years. You know, good for that guy, I guess. You know? <laughs> 
Follow your bliss. Don't get crushed under the car. Make sure the yeah. jack uh, holds up, I guess, or whatever your rig is there. Yeah. So you guys at home can take some time to ponder that horrifying story uh, while we take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about whether Guillermo is closer or further away from becoming a vampire. do you think Guillermo is to becoming a vampire? I think he moved further away this week. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it was not even, you know, he was basically marginalized the whole episode. There was no, he was in, he was under the stairs. He tried to kind of pit Nadia against Gale early on. He sort of saw his Machiavellian opportunity, you know, where he said, well, he's never going to be able to focus on the website while Gale is here as a way of kind of, you know, you should get rid of Gale. After that, he was basically kind of in the background. And obviously, yeah, the, decision to save her by making her into a vampire and obviously no consideration given to him even though he had the great kickball idea they're literally in the snow but he's definitely more out in the cold although you know by the end he gets to, you know he had to sit in the back but they had kind of a fun ride i guess so he's included and they rely on him to do things he had to break the door down in the hotel so mm-hmm. which i was I mean, I know that he's like a vampire slayer, but I was shocked that he could break down a hotel door. Are we supposed to think it's a uh, kind of a no-tell motel, like a crummy, you know, like, an, like a by-the-hour type situation? In which case, the doors might not be that strong. I guess, but have you ever tried to break down a door? It's even a bad door is hard to break down. Yeah, I can't say that I, I, I have. That's still on the old bucket list, I guess, trying to break down a door. Okay, well, someday. Yeah, it's a boy. You know, I think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people think they could break a door down if they had to. And then I think the more realistic, you know, aside from just failing completely would be like in Michael Clayton when he has to break down the adjoining door to get to Arthur, where it takes him like a full minute of like pounding and slamming. And that's Clooney. That's like peak condition Clooney. So, you know, I don't know. I don't like my chances. So, yeah. Points to Guillermo for being able to just basically smash through. Okay, everybody subscribe to the Patreon. And in the Patreon episode, we'll buy a door and we'll see how long it takes Patrick to break it down. Yeah, that's right. He'll be like the little owl in the Tootsie Pop commercial where at the end he just kind of bites into it. and. Yeah, when, when, when we get to the 69, 69 subscribers on our non-existent <laughs> Patreon, we will make yes. sure that we Perfect. Uh, break down a door. Yeah, that's love to set myself up for embarrassing feats of... <laughs> Physical failure. That's what it's all about for me. Um, It was nice to see that Nadia actually cares about Nandor's feelings, at least a little bit, you know, even if she wants to kill him to become the head of the council. And, uh, you know, a little solidarity with the ladies. I like that, too. Uh, This isn't, I mean, Gail, like, seems like she's cool, obviously, but the way she treats Nandor is not cool. And that's what it really comes down to, I think, for for Nadia. And if you have a Gail in your life, listeners at home, you got to get out of that Hit her with a kickball. <laughs> as hard as you can. <laughs> Contrive a situation where she's on the top bleacher so that when she gets hit with the thing, she falls. And you hit a very weird foul ball. Yeah. Train your lower body to be very strong. Yes. Another thing I want to talk about is, you know, we, we talked about it generally, but the jalopy itself is just a, you know, it's a classic, like, ooga ass like, Roger Rabbit, you know, inhabited by a ghost kind of car that, you know, I thought was very, you know, it looks like, um and you can, uh, listeners, you should Google image search this, Will I Am's car. There is a purple car that Will I Am has 
And it is just, it is the most ridiculous uh, vehicle um, you can imagine. So I don't think the listeners need to Google it. They probably know off the top of their head what Will I Am's car Will I Am's like. car? Well, look, if you do, you're like me. And I think about that car all the time. So um, it's a fun car. It looks like a fun ride. It apparently still works despite the, uh, you know, and the the way they set it up to pour the gas in that leads to Colin Robinson getting uh, lit on fire and surviving and being fine is just like kind of splashing gas towards the front. That seems to be the way that you fill up the engine uh, to be able to get it going. Um, a little imprecise. I don't know for sure what cars were like in those old days, but uh, and I've been driving a bit more recently because I've been kind of traveling a little bit and visiting my parents and stuff like that. And uh, I have to say, I miss the open road. I mean, you know, my first car, nothing special, like a 98 Honda Accord, I want to say, or 97 maybe. It wasn't quite jalopy level, but, you know, it did the job. I don't know. What was your first car? My first car that I own, I actually just purchased a few months ago. But the first car that I ever drove was my parents. uh, You know, I grew up in Colorado, so legally you're required to have a Subaru Outback. So mine was like a 1999 Subaru Outback in the classic white and gold colorway. Any Colorado kids out there will know exactly the car I'm talking about. And that thing was a goddamn tank. I got hit so many times. I skidded off the road when I was skiing a bunch of times. That is like the safest car ever built by a human being. Those Paul Hogan ads uh, were not lying. Yes, exactly. Now, one fun little tidbit. I used to work for a website called Jalopnik, which is a car website. So I feel obligated for all of our gearheads out there to say that Laszlo specifies that this car is a Stutz Laszlo. And uh, Stutz is like an actual car company. I don't think they're around. Yeah, it ended in 1935, but they made like luxury cars. So the implication is that somehow Laszlo got in there and got an early model luxury car. Named after him. Named after himself. And they only made four of them. Yeah, one of them went to Mussolini, as we've said. So, uh, yes. Stutz Laszlo, you know, very rare. So, if you were able to get your hands on one, find a wealthy collector, I guess. That would be the uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. That's my advice for most problems is to find a wealthy collector. Just find a rich person. They'll take care of it for you, probably, if you can convince them or trick them. Either way, you know, that's fine. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we'll be chatting about episode four, The Casino, in which the vampires embark on a road trip from which they may never return. Stay tuned. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patty Mo. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nicole Conlon and on Instagram at the Nicole Conlon. And don't forget to visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's the D-I-P-P.com. You can follow the dip on Instagram at the dip. Bat? Nope, I thought it was going to maybe work if I did it this time, but it did not work. No dice. 